0: what's up everybody we are back another week another episode of the gentleman's double podcast this is jake uh i'm here today it's just it's a two-man weave with uh with my brother and co-host vince how we doing what's up
1: what's up dude happy to be here as always
0: chilling really excited
1: Dougie,
0: dougie left the keys to the car for us today
1: oh you can call it that yeah we're we're out here.
0: We're we're just joy riding in this bitch. You know what I'm I saying? Mean,
1: you can't you can't beat this uh, blood camaraderie. The blood brothers. That's it. Are Fucking. Where we're in tonight. All right, let's do it? Blood,
0: blood brothers. So um, yeah, kind of a kind of an interesting week. You know, coming off the Masters, we head to uh, a classic tour stop this week. Um, you know, one of the sort of more, I guess we we could say kind of quirky golf course options that the PGA Tour plays down in Harbortown. And um, definitely an interesting win, right? Veteran winner uh, as Stuart Sink captures the uh, the RBC Heritage title this week down at Pete Dye's Harbortown. Um, yeah, what did you uh, what you think? Did you get to watch any of it this weekend? Um, what, what do you think of uh, of of Sink kind of second win of the year? Kind of kind of a crazy situation with him.
1: So I did, yeah. I uh, I actually watched more Thursday Friday than I did saturday sunday i did watch him play last uh eight holes on sunday um i mean what's what's there not to love about a guy who doesn't win for an 11 years makes you no know, good money playing still a great player and then comes out and wins twice in one season right you mm-hmm. you question oh, 11 years You know, what was happening during that period of time when he's now, I I would say that the fields are better right now than, let's call it, eight years ago, maybe when he was in a drought. Uh, And, look, I I love seeing him win twice. His game's amazing, and he he seems to be very chill in his own little world when he plays. So I love everything about Sink getting two wins.
0: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting um, situation. I mean, I know the broadcast kind of like you know killed the whole. You know, he's he's out there with his kid, and and you know he's already won once this year with his with his son on the bag, and they're really hammering that home. And and it wasn't a super exciting week, mainly because I mean he just really didn't let it be exciting. Um, but I I, th- I think it's uh, like sort of a. I don't want to call it a resurgence. It's not that it's like Stuart Sink, I think was made kind of like the villain for so long, you know what I mean? For, for winning that open and kind of beating Tom Watson. And that's a hard thing to go through. Um, that, that post major sort of uh, the expectations that come with that and, and the fact that really he kind of did it a little bit later in his career. Um, and now we're very late in his career and, and we see, that he can still, you know, he can still play with with uh, with the with the young kids and, and kind of hit it with him. He was he was hitting, I mean, 175 ball speed, you know, like kind of bombing it out there here and there. And yeah, it's an interesting winner. I mean, it's a good golf course for him. Let's let's also be very honest. You know what I mean? It's yeah. definitely a good golf course for him to to compete on. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, just that's what happens, I guess. You know, you kind of seize the moment and I think. For him, it's an incredible week. I mean, he really kind of just, after the second round, um, just really kind of had his his hand on the wheel and was in cruise control the rest of the way. So a big, big win for, for Sink. But I have a question about him, and I think it's an important one for us to consider here. Is this dude a Ryder cupper right now? Like, are, are we seriously talking about that? Because Ryder Cup is in September, we know that the that the way that the qualifying and the captains' picks are going to work this time is a little bit weird because it's been postponed due to COVID. Um, he's he's currently like pretty far out of the guaranteed spots, but he has two wins on the calendar year. W- what's your thought on that? What's your uh, your ideas
1: there? I I think it's a a really strong consideration, um, mm-hmm. especially since his two wins were not you know it wasn't the Puerto Rico Open. They were in. they were two competitive fields, like the Safeway and the RBC. Uh, I really think you you have that conversation with them and say, "Hey, you know, if the opportunity comes your way and and your age and this point in time in your career, are are we gonna do this?" And uh, yeah, I, I really think you have him out there for captain's bids, and and uh, he's he's earned that right to be in that
0: I I definitely think you're right there. I think he's earned the right to be in the conversation and I think that like we at least I, I don't know about you, and I know that, that Doug kind of feels the same way as me on this. I'm very like critical of the way that the US handles the Ryder Cup because I feel like it's kind of like only the the old boys club kind of gets to do a lot of the picking and deciding, you know, s- similar captains, group of friends, these guys kind of all get their shot to to be at the helm of the Ryder Cup. And I know that Stricker, even this weekend at the Champions Tour event, was asking like or, or talking about what Sink had, had done or was doing uh, at the Heritage. So he's definitely going to be in the consideration. And, and this is no knock on him. But to me, it's just something that it can't happen. To me, I think it's we're at a point where if you're between a guy like Stuart Sink, who's won twice this year, and Will Zalatoris... Uh, I feel like I would take the first timer rather than take the guy who's won and and he's been on Ryder cups and he's been a solid performer, but you know, I just, to me, the way that I look at it is you gotta, you gotta let the guy who um, the you gotta let these kids have a shot. You gotta let people who are have, have shown consistency rather than just winning um, have that opportunity as well. So I don't know, I guess, I guess we'll see uh, when we get there, but, Another another big win for a guy, you know, kind of late in his career. Big yeah. big deal for sure.
1: No doubt. No no discredit to to back sixty threes on you know Friday Saturday or Thursday Friday at Harbortown. So uh, yeah, uh, man, like, no doubt. So. I mean, he,
0: he literally parted to death on Sunday. He didn't even have. It was like the most conservative, just like kind of chill round that you could imagine because he he gassed. And by the way,
1: nobody really challenged him on Sunday.
0: You know,
1: uh, there was no opportunity to. They they had to do it Thursday, Friday, just like he did. Um, mm-hmm. uh, from my understanding, some pretty moderate, well, you know, weather days weather, out there. Weather, yeah, very uh, calm in comparison to recent years, and you uh, needed to take advantage of it. And his game, seemingly um, suited for for the course, and shit, back to back sixty threes. There it is.
0: That's it, yeah. Um. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challengers this week. Two guys in particular. I mean, there were, there were a whole host of players that were like kind of, I don't want to call them in the mix, in the mix, but who were kind of around that are, are worth consideration. Like, you know, Corey Connors, for example, has been playing great this year. Another week where his ball striking is just unbelievable and his putter is just very, very bad. Um, but there are two guys in particular that I think are worth sort of us taking a peek at. And the first one is Colin Morikawa. He was in the final group Sunday. Um, you know, played his way into that final group riding that, you know, that amazing ball striking that we see from him on a golf course that really doesn't reward uh, distance. So a place again, where he should definitely be in the mix, you know, often in his career. And then just kind of a, kind of a wet fart of a Sunday, if you don't mind me saying it that way. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what you saw from Colin? I mean, primarily on the greens, but also he just kind of didn't have it, you know, in general, what, what did you think of his performance?
1: Yeah, I, I think Morikawa's got the game. and Another course that kind of displays it, he's got the game where he can succeed at like 98% of courses. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe the only thing that held him back on Sunday was knowing he was five shots back. I, I, I think that that's probably his first time in maybe his entire career where he's trying to cover that kind of deficit on his own. Uh, two, he's playing with the guy. And, and three, he didn't make a lot of birdies. Like He played pretty okay Friday, Saturday, and shoots one over on Sunday, right? So yeah. you know, I kind of think he was fizzling out before Sunday started, and then you know, maybe mental capacity, youth, uh, was playing for second place, however you want to look at it. Um, but Morikawa again, his game, is growing in a way where you're just saying, I can't believe this kid is doing these things how he is. Mm-hmm. And, and you know he can be in contention any week on any course.
0: I agree. I think the one thing that is is worth looking at is, like, he, right now, like, if you look at the stats and you go into strokes gain, you kind of just look at his performance overall on the greens, it tells a very, like, simple story. He is completely average. Right? He's really not great on, on some length putts. Some of the shorter ones really give him trouble. He's an okay lag putter, um, and he's just kind of dead average. Right, He's right on the tour average there. And on the weeks where he's not, he's a, like slightly just a tick above average are the weeks that he wins. And this was a week where he was kind of on that average and then fell to below. I thought Sunday was, like to me, a very clear sign that Something else has to, he, he needs to try something else with the putting. I know he had a little success, a little honeymoon phase maybe with the, the claw grip. Uh, and as somebody who's going through their own putting struggles right now, it's a maddening thing. Um, and that's just me playing like on the weekends. So I can only imagine what a pro is going through. But uh, whenever the time comes, whether it's, you know, now or later in the summer, I think you're going to see coward really have to tool around with some different ideas. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, necessarily like, you know, the, the Billy Ho, uh, his, his arch enemy, the arm lock. I'm not saying that. <laughs> or if he, has, if he has to go to a different shape, putter shape or something. Um, but, like, this, if this guy just puts a little bit, he's going to win just so much. Like, think of how many times we're like, oh, there's more cow at top five. Like, it's it's a lot. It's, like, really often. So... Yeah, I, I, kind of a, just a disappointing performance, because I did think he could put some pressure on Stu. Um, and uh, judging by the way Stu played Sunday, uh, he had he had the opportunity to do that. All right, last one for um, Heritage. Uh, and you don't even need to comment on this unless you have something, but I had a note here real quick. Cam Smith, I mean, just kind of bookended the week with two amazing, amazing rounds and then didn't really have anything in the middle, kind of fell out of favor. Um, but I, I think, again, we're starting to see Cam Smith on a lot more leaderboards, and I think that's a growing confidence situation for him. So, uh, to me, it's it, it's only a matter of time before we get a week where he kind of puts it together for four days um, and, and, and wins one. So, do you have anything on Cam Smith this week?
1: No, I, I think it's a guy that comes up in our conversations more often than not, whether we're mm-hmm. broadcasting or just chatting on the side, and... um. I think we all love what his game has become and expect big things from him sooner rather than later, so um, yeah and and of course, like I think it's a good it's a good segue into into this week too. I think he and leash are a team being talked about a lot right now. uh what do you think want to move in there? yeah,
0: yeah, let's do that. you know what let's move to uh this week on the p j tour and then we'll loop back around to some news and some other results for you guys this week on the tour. We have the only team event. Uh, How many years has the team event thing been going on? Like four?
1: That's a good question, man. I don't know. I think it's
0: four years. I think this is the fourth year. So,
1: you know, a couple of years of
0: the Zurich Classic kind of, which was sort of a dead field event, you know, in in previous years. Um, And then they've, you know, reformatted this into a, a team event. Um, And it's kind of breathed some life into it, at least to make it more interesting, not to say that this is like a great event by any means, um, but it does bring a lot of guys who want to play with their buddies. Um, It it got them a better field and a better place in the calendar. So, um, yeah, Zurich Classic week. Let's go quickly through some power rankings. And then Vince and I have a couple of teams, some very interesting teams, if you don't mind me saying, to look out for um, this week. Uh, at TPC Louisiana. So here we go. Power rankings currently are, and this might change because apparently Seamus Power has pulled out because of a positive. Oh, no, here we go. It's just a change of partner. So number 10 is now Zach Sucher and David Hearn. I'm sure they're not actually number 10 in the power rankings. Number nine, Cam Champ and Tony Finau. There's a freaking horsepower group right there. Um, number eight Morikawa and Wolf. Hopefully Wolf, may be in uh, in some better form. Number seven Willett and Hatton, the break group. Number six uh, Horschel and Sam Burns. Horschel's really, honestly, as much as I don't like Horschel, been playing really great, so could be a good week for him. Number five Brendan Todd and Chris Kirk. That's a two Georgia Bulldogs right there in that group. Number four, Mark Leishman and Cam Smith, the Aussie group that Vince just mentioned. Number three, Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler. Number two, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Cantlay coming off of a a lot of bad play recently. And then number one, uh, defending champs. They They played together a couple times this year. Uh, They played against each other in the match play as well. John Rahm and Ryan Palmer. So those are your, your big ones for the week. We have a couple notables as well: Domon, Joel Domon, and Lanto Griffin; Max Homa and Taylor Gooch; Richie Wawrinski and Peter Uline. Peter Uline won last week on Corn Ferry, so good week coming off a good week for him. The South African crew of Ushazen and Schwartzel, and then finally Alex Norin and Henrik Norlander. Which, if you say that really fast, is actually extremely hard to say. So there you go. That's our <laughs> group. That's our main front-page group list for the Zurich. Um, Vince, you wanna? We, we kind of have a little format here. We're going to go through a couple groups. We're going through our picks and then a couple groups that we really like and, and we're kind of watching out for or we think are interesting. Um, why don't you give Dougie's pick first? Let's, let's get that out of the way.
1: Sure. So Doug is rolling with Wolf and Morikawa this week.
0: Um, <laughs> Did he have a reason for this? Or
1: No reason. Can't argue with it. You have a guy who's you know, probably pretty great off the tee if he's not hurt. We know he's been playing pretty bad, citing some injuries and mm-hmm, changes mm-hmm. because of said injuries. And Morikawa, who, I mean, he's either. I just I wish I had confidence in his putting right now, but I don't. Though Doug seems to have confidence in them. Uh, They're not even in my top five.
0: OK, can I ask you a quick question? What is what is Doug doing tonight? Is it a sushi night? What's going on?
1: I I believe he's uh well in Dallas, so he's not he's not here in Houston.
0: Oh, um, he's in Dallas. Okay, yeah. all right.
1: So whatever that work event is.
0: Okay, all right. There we go. Well, Doug's, Doug's at work. Okay, all right. That might be the first time in a long time Doug's at work, but um, <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> um, who who did you pick last week? So I had uh, Patrick Cantley last week. Yep. Oh man. Continuing his streak of extremely poor play.
0: And I took answer. I think
1: I think I won again last week.
0: I've been having a pretty good week or a good month with picks uh, yeah. in, our, so in our pod. So
1: finished, I think, like nine under t eighteen or so.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's right. right. Um, well, it's okay. You go ahead and, and roll with yours. Let's hear your pick and then give me a couple of those groups that you think are interesting
1: uh, right. for this week. So My pick this week is Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler.
0: Ooh, I have them on in my interesting group. Go there ahead. You
1: go. Uh, followed up by the South Africans, Louis and Charles Schwarzel as a group to follow. And my Young Gunner group, uh, Victor Hovland and Christopher Ventura.
0: Ooh, Christopher.
1: Yes, I do. Uh, followed up by, I think, maybe the quietest, most chill group in the entire event, Ches Reeve and Lucas Glover. And then. Whoa. Did you even know they were playing together?
0: Dude, you, you did some deep research because I did not see them in the field list.
1: <laughs> and uh, so, and I have a fifth group here, and in parentheses, labeled May Crash and Burn. Um, <laughs> and that is Cameron Champ and Tony Finau.
0: Ooh, I have them on my list as well.
1: Probably for different reasons.
0: All right. All right. Tell me a little bit about why you picked the Watson-Sheffler group. Um as yeah. your uh, as your winners,
1: uh, just, just two guys who are very capable of making a lot of birdies, um, mm-hmm. and I think Scottie is uh, very consistent in making a lot of birdies, and Bubba's a, a big risk taker. And I have, obviously I don't know what their relationship is like. Um, I don't believe they've played together in this event. This actually may be Scheffler's first time in this event. It, it is Scheffler's first time. To so my pool, you pick one out of two on the oh, team okay. and your player gets paid fifty per you, you get fifty percent in points so Bubba was my pick but as a duo uh, I think they have the capacity to make a lot of birdies and and honestly uh T P C Louisiana not our favorite T P C course. Not our favorite course of the year. No uh, so um yeah I, I think Bubba's been playing well and so is Scotty and and I'm excited to see what they can do as a team.
0: Yeah, I, I like your uh, your logic there a lot. You know, I mean, I'll get into it in a second. I have them on my on my list to watch because I think for me, those are two styles of golf that are really really complementary to each other. Like, Scheffler does fill it up, and he's we already know that he's a, a flusher with like a very unique move. And then Bubba has been showing form. I think it's been more of a freeing year for him to. You know, he's changed some sponsors. He's kind of trying to, you know, maybe be more of himself on the golf course. And if he ever can figure out how to putt like he did maybe five or six years ago, I mean, he could still be dangerous because he hits it just as good in a lot of ways. So I think, uh, I think that's a, a very, very interesting pick and a group that I can't wait to watch because I just like both of the, the brands of golf oh, um, that they play. All right, so for, for my uh, picks for the Zurich, I actually went with your potential crash and burn group as my winners. Oh. So I took Cam Champ and Tony Finau as my winning group for two reasons. I think I think the moment was too big for Cam Champ at the Masters. I, I never thought he was going to win. Um, but, I mean, he completely flamed out after a really good round on Saturday. And I think that that's the thing. It's, it, I really hope he finds a way to gain consistency because when he gets even a little bit warm he's he's finds his way into the mix and we saw like at the pga last year um and obviously saturday in augusta that like if if it's a a, a a chance for him to to use his skills to use his power um to use that like incredibly smooth move he he can really um kind of fill it up and then we already know what what now is and i i i kind of partially pick them because it would only be like it would be so unfortunate in some ways if Finau wins this event because people will be like, oh, you know, if Tony Finau finally gets his his first career win besides the uh, Puerto Rico and it's a team event and then he'll have to keep answering questions about why he can't win like a real tournament. But that kind of seems like the way that Fina is is like slightly cursed by these things. So that's my pick to win. Um. I already talked about Scheffler and Bubba. They were on my list of interesting groups. Another group I thought this this group to me is so wild because I didn't I don't even like know how this particular player is in the field. I guess because I haven't heard from him on any tour in a while. KJ Choi is playing with Sung Kang. I saw that. And I was that. like, I am. What I would love to watch like gray haired KJ Choi pop at 240 out there around TPC, Louisiana. I think that would actually be super entertaining. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Sun Kang has not had a great season this year, but uh, I, mainly I would just watch that group just to see Choi uh, and, and see him just navigate around the golf course, you know, like, he, like he's always done. Um, probably using, like, you know, all those legendary stories of him, like going to Golf Galaxy in the middle of a week and just picking up a set off the, off the rack and playing them in a tournament. Who knows? He, he could be doing that this week, too, which is always interesting. Um, and then I'm calling this group the odd couple group, and I, I seriously can't figure out how these two will coexist as a team. It just seems so volatile. Um, but it's uh, Scott Piercy and Akshay. Uh, maybe just because they're both in Vegas. Like, I know that they both play out of Summerlin. That's how they're friends. Um I mean, how old's Piercy? He's gotta be in his late thirties, early forties. Yeah. And he just he just seems like an absolute asshole. And then you have Akshay, who's, you know, what, in his he's, teens still? He's nineteen, right? I think, yeah. Nineteen. He's nineteen. He's like a total goofball. Um, kind of like Matt Wolf Light. I am very interested to see how that team goes. That could be just the absolute if they, if we see them on coverage, it could be Pretty wild, so that's one that I have to look out for uh, yeah. as well.
1: When when you told me about that group and I was sitting there, I was like, "How does this even exist?" Uh, obviously, <laughs> you know their Vegas relationship. And in my eyes, I was like, Scott Piercy created a Twitter account, uh, found Akshay, like tweeted at him, and said, "Hey, Akshay, I made a Twitter account. I also play golf. You want to play?" Uh, here we are. <laughs> like. Like, how yeah, is this I mean, group even fucking possible.
0: Legitimately, I, I, there's, it's got to be that they played, like money games or something, and they, and that's all I can, that's all I can come up with. That's honestly all I can come up with. Because like, what, what do those two have in common? Like, I don't think like Scott Pierce doesn't even really like golf, and Akshay's entire life basically is golf. I mean, he didn't go to college, he didn't even go to high school. Yeah. So. Very much. so pretty, I, I have one nice.
1: other team written down on here that uh, I noted because I thought it was interesting. Uh, I didn't put him in my top five because, well, they definitely don't deserve to be there. But I wrote Henrik and Justin Rose on here uh, Mm. simply because I think Henrik has been playing catastrophically bad. He
0: actually played okay in Augusta, I think. Keep going.
1: And then uh, every week I've been seeing like three or four bag changes from him too. So (laughs) I'm just just really curious as to what's going on. Like he put the Diablo back in the bag.
0: Oh so wait you you're just talking about like he's been switching
1: like switching gear. gear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have seen his name a lot and arounding around, revolving around not a lot of great play. I know you say he probably played well at Augusta. I didn't I'm even notice right and now. at the same time Cameron Champ played pretty well and he barely made TV coverage. So
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's very true. So he, he was T38 this year at Augusta. Um I mean, not terrible, but yeah, also it's not great. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that's true. All right, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, Rose, we know that Rose has kind of gone back to the free agent thing, and we've seen some better play from him putting certain equipment in the bag, and now you're telling me that you know Henrik's kind of tinkering around. We were actually texting with a, uh, our buddy Chris um, right after Augusta about that, and I, I think we said the same thing you and I did. It's like if you're an established player and you know what works for you, like why... Why change it? You know what I mean. Like why, why change? Why go to a company or or, or like you know Rose going to Anma or uh, you know if if Henrik you know t- Calloway was pushing him to get into something newer and and it you know didn't work for him. I, I just think you know to me you just got to play what works. You're a pro. You got to play the tools that work for you. I mean, so.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, but he did put an M1 into play that week, correct? Who Rose? Rose and Rose.
0: Yeah, 20, 2017,
1: uh, 2017 M1 in play. So, I mean, that's what got made uh, an old trusty item that he still has sitting around.
0: Yeah, he put that in play with like the uh, first gen Pro, pro Orange. Uh, you know, it's just that sometimes things work. That's all I can say, but re- that's off topic. So, all right. That's a good group to watch as well. So, yeah, Zurich, I mean, again, not exactly our favorite tournament. But I will check in because I always like to see the teams. Um, And I think, you know, it's a little bit of a different format, which is a a good change. So, okay, just a quick news item. We'll just kind of glance over this real quick. But today... Um, the PGA tour announced that there will be a bonus for players that move the needle. That's like a word for word statement. Um, And basically what they're trying to say here is I have a little quote um, that these are, will be the top 10 beneficiaries determined by their impact score, which is a number that's generated from six separate metrics that are designed to quantify that individual's value added. So, we talked about this before we got on the pod, but it sounds like this is essentially things like most traffic, um, you know, position um, at the end of the year in the FedEx cup uh, popularity in Google searches, uh, you know, some weird stuff too, like things that we don't totally understand, like meltwater mentions, MVP index rating, yada, yada, yada. It's essentially things that drive traffic and, and views and popularity online um, and this bonus then would be separated 40 million dollars separated amongst those 10 players. You have any thoughts on this or any feeling on, on sort of why this news is dropping? Anything anything at all on this, Ben?
1: Uh, for me, uh, um, the only reason I, I can really think is, uh, obviously to kind of over you know put shadows over top of that, that players' league that was in development, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time, I don't see the benefit to about 75% of players. Uh, it's kind of tough to say, like, you can have somebody in the top 10 of the FedEx points who, not popular and not driving your traffic for the PGA Tour, right? So right. Right. The, this metric, it, it needs to be pretty well defined because you could then have players like drop sponsorships that they don't need to use. Uh, because they're going to be in this top twenty-five percent a- a- and rake some some benefits of this extra funding. Let's call it funding. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- there's two things that could happen there, and it- it's more social than it is anything else. So uh, what do, what do you think?
0: I don't know. I think this is a very very slippery slope. Like obviously this is out there to compete with or to quell people thinking about going to the PGL, but to me, PGL talk uh, amongst the best players in the world had had kind of already died, right? Like, Rory coming out and being like, yep, couldn't do it. I don't believe in who's supporting it, which was, you know, maybe a controversial take, but something that I think a lot of other players that were considering it really jumped on. And then there were still a couple players, you know, some older players maybe, not, you know, cough, cough, Phil, cough, cough. And, um, you know, some other players out there still... Dustin Johnson was reported as still considering the PGL. Um, who were looking at that and saying, "Like, well, yeah, I mean, we are the best players in the world. We're the most popular players in the world. You know, people don't go to golf tournaments to watch. Um, y- you know, uh, Tommy Two Gloves Gainey. They come to watch us. So we should get paid more. Which is is essentially like, if you think about it, not to extrapolate too far to go down like some winding road, but." I mean, Tiger Woods was the first person to kind of run into this, right? He made so many other players money because he made the tour more popular than it had ever been. He made golf more popular than it it had been. And so this happened in other generations too, you know, Arnie and and Jack and all all these players that are at the top always make more money for other players. So this is their way of saying, all right, well, if you're you're the best and you're you're popular. And, you know, like a, a guy like Max Homa could potentially end up making money off of this even if he's not one of the best players um on tour because he is very popular online he's had a great season he'll get to a certain spot in the fedex cup and if you combine all these ratings you know he might be one of the 10 guys who knows and that would be awesome for a guy like max in the end i just don't want this to become something that's like inauthentic where players are you know, trying to spend a lot of time streaming Fortnite or like doing TikToks to get more views to then push them towards this money. Does that make sense?
1: Hundred percent. That's why I was saying, like the the social influence, regardless of how they put it, is is going to change. Right. These, mm-hmm. these players' social influence is going to change based on the money involved like Ricky Fowler does a bajillion commercials every year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have Jordan Spieth as soon as, as soon as he heats up, he is the number one trending thing on Twitter. Uh, Right. Right. uh, There's so many things that, that are going to be uncontrollable to the PGA tour uh, because of social media and, and life in general uh, that they're, they're really going to see it. I think they're going to see at least, a twist and a turn, uh, you know, that wasn't coming. Something's going to go awry, and, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to reevaluate the, the structure of this program. Um, right. But at the same time, I guess you have to let them, you know, crash and burn. It's the theme of the, the podcast.
0: For sure. I mean, I, you know, I was even thinking, like, does, does negative views get you um, sort of points towards this? Right, like does someone like Patrick Reed, like breaking a rule and and getting a ton of clicks and a ton of mentions because of that? Does that like? It, it, there's just it's a big ball of wax to kind of unravel and figure out what it means. Look, in the end, should the best players in the world, the ones that make your tour the most popular, get paid more money? Yeah, like they should, and and not just on court. I mean, if they're winning a lot on course, they're already making more money. But off course, they're the most marketable, and they take they have the most commercials. Like Ricky's a great example, but. I don't necessarily know if we need to redistribute even more wealth to them. And I don't think the PGL, me personally, I don't know the inner workings. Like I'm not in the know, but I I don't really believe that the PGL, um, you know, was that much of a threat at this point. I think there was a time when people thought it might be, but I think that's kind of sailed a little bit. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see whatever that is for the, the PGA Tour bonus program. Yeah. I just, All right. It, this Done.
1: we can keep talking about this, but it, it can turn into a can of worms based on, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. relationships across different sports. And I don't I don't want to go there today, truly.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I I think it's just a wait and see. We got to see what it actually ends up being. So, no doubt. yeah, it'll be a thing. All right. I, I would love to spend more time on this, but um, I watched actually a ton of the LPGA action this weekend. Huge win for Lydia Ko. I would say, I know that you didn't really watch a lot, so I'll quickly go through this, but um, big win for Lydia Ko in Hawaii. I would definitely say that this is uh, much more of a, a true authentic comeback than maybe we saw from her a few years ago. Just absolutely wild to think that you know, she's won, she won more times in her teens than, any, than all other female golfers who have won in their teens combined. Um, and now, you know, she's tw- She's only 23. This is her second win since turning 20. Um, and, uh, yeah, she did it in, like, just absolutely all gas, no brakes fashion. 28 under, I think it was. It was also very soft and, and no wind out there. You know, kind of took it to Nelly Corda on Sunday. Nelly didn't, didn't really have it, uh, especially on the greens. But, you know, ball striker, as always, just drove the shit out of it. But, I mean, listen... If, if you're the if you're the women's golfing landscape and, and you see Lydia Coe starting to play like this again, you should be worried because she was absolutely dominant once. And I could totally see her being just unbelievably dominant um, again. So to me, it, it was awesome. Great action. Really great golf to watch. Absolutely incredible win. Um, and and big, you know, congrats to, to Lydia Coe. I know you didn't watch a lot. Do you have anything you want to comment on that before we move on?
1: No, I I did see the the score line. You know, seven shot win, twenty eight under. Um, how do you how do you feel about that kind of score line? Uh, other yeah. Than the, other than the course was playing soft, I I think we've talked about course setups. Uh, th- these women are good enough to play on the co- the tough course setups that you know, we may see in the in the PGA tour. Um, what do you think?
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a twofold thing. I, I think that one. You know, I, I think that they did set the golf course up for birdies, which is fine. We talked about this. You know, some weeks are birdie weeks, some weeks you got to have it a little tougher. Like Zurich this week will be like birdie fest, even though it's a team event. It's, it's all even when it wasn't a team event, it was a birdie fest there. Um, but I think that, you know, they, they got really easy conditions. Golf course was fairly soft, it was, it was low winds, very warm. The ball was kind of jumping. And then the other thing is, Lydia hit it so good. Like it, it, I watched all four rounds because it was a, a, a Wednesday to Saturday finish. Um, and I, I could not believe how often she was hitting it to like near kick in range. Like, you know, five to eight footers, 10 footers, like very, very often. And when you're doing that, you're going to score no matter what. Like if, if, the, if the course was tougher and she shot 15 under, let's say, the next closest player was going to be somewhere in the high single digits or, you know, around 10. The, the, she just really hit it that much better than everybody all week. And she did make a ton of putts. Um, so a couple long ones, you know, when she was out of position, but she just like, didn't make a mistake. Um, and the challengers that were behind her, you know, they, there were some low scores there. Leona McGuire and Nelly, like I said, but. Um, Aylin Kim and, and Yuka Sasso, who, like, we need to see more Yuka Sasso on, on LPGA TV. Um, it was, it was like, honestly, really dope, especially because Harbour Town was kind of a snoozer. So I was flipping over that a lot to just watch uh, uh, Lydia just absolutely ball out. So, yeah, man, I don't know. If, I, I, I do think that they need to be careful to not go down a road where they are... Making sure that they have birdies for the sake of entertainment. That would be bad to answer your question. But I think this week was a combination of those things, not not completely on purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see me over here nodding my head. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So yeah, we're on the All same right. page.
0: All right. Yes. Yeah. So, kind of going into our last segment, um, you know, we're, we uh, we always like to pay attention to the the, you know, the golf we run into out there in, in our everyday life. You know, you sent me that video the other day uh, from the Costco gas station. of Some some dude just like, you know, swinging, swinging a 7-iron, trying to groove it in the Costco gas station. Um, and I, th- I think we should probably go to our, our second episode of uh, uh, Tales from the Range. So, you ready for that?
1: Yeah, man. Give it to us. I, I, I know it's going to be a good one.
0: All right. So last week, like I said, I go to the range a couple times a week. My range is a, is a massive public range in the greater Philadelphia area. And uh, I, had a, I had a couple stories from last week. We picked one. I have a couple new ones, but I'm not going to give you options this week. I'm going to tell you an old, uh, one, an old one that was supposed to be an option la- or that was an option last week. That way we get it out of the hopper and we kind of clear it up for new ones. So last week, one of my options for the story that you guys could hear. Was something called or a story called eBay Bryson, um, and this was just still. I think it's absolutely my favorite thing that's happened in 2021 at the driving range for me. That includes my own swing. <laughs> um, so, all right. First of all, tell me if this is a violation or not. We. I, I'm at the range. There's 50 bays on the bottom of that driving range. I would say the day I was there, it was cloudy, it was rainy, it was kind of cold, and Maybe ten bays were being used. Okay, so I'm I'm off on my own, like I always try to be. And this this guy walks up, you know, he looks at a couple bays, and then he goes right next to me, right right in front of me. Which I would like. I'd like the person to be in front of me rather than behind me, personally. So he's in the bay. Like I'm right handed. I'm looking at him. He, he's in that bay, uh, in front of me. Is that a violation? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when you go to, like, the, the urinal, right? Like, let's say you have, like, three urinals and there's two guys. Like, you don't—nobody goes for the middle urinal, and you should never go and, like, go to the middle urinal if the other guy is already on one, at one of the other urinals. You want to leave some space, right, if you can. So that's, that's the first sort of part of this violation, but it gets worse. This guy's left-handed. So now we're facing each other. So I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, right? This whole range is open. You can go anywhere you want. You walk down here. Now, I understand why he picked the bay near me. It's because the driving range is kind of crescent-shaped, and I like to hit where I'm, fi- I'm kind of flush, like face-on to the targets, um, more so than like hitting from the corners. So I think he wanted to be in that bay uh, or that chunk of the bay that actually is like facing directly out at the targets. So this, this dude, you know, he, he walks up, he has a couple clubs in his hand, left handed, dumps his large bucket in the, in the, uh, like the ball holder thing and kind of stretching out again, we're the only two people in this section of the range. And he just kind of, he chips a couple balls. I mean, like when I say a couple, he chips like five or six balls. And then I see something that I've never seen in my life. He grabs his driver. He takes the head cover off. I don't even notice what kind of head cover is on. I'm hitting balls. I'm kind of concentrating, and then I see it because he's left-handed, so I'm looking at him. Right, I'm looking face-on. I see he has this driver, dude. It is painted like a World War II fighter jet would have, or like or, or fighter plane with like the the uh, the shark. You know what I'm talking about? Like the shark mouth. Yeah. That makes sense. I
1: thought you were going to do like I, rising sun paint or something. No, but yeah. No.
0: That might actually have been cooler. It's it looks like it, the animated like mouth of a shark that you would see on like a World War II plane or like a submarine or something. And then on the shaft, written in huge red letters, like printed on there from wherever he bought this fucking weird club, somewhere on eBay, it just says the Mako Shark. M-A-K-O, the Mako Shark. I'm like, oh my god, this is... Not to mention the head shape of this driver looks like something from the late 90s. (laughs) Okay? It looks like a lunchbox, just like with a shaft stuck into it. Super, like, deep-faced, very small-headed. I'm like, what is going on? All right, fine. I got to get back into my bucket. So I try to focus on my practice. But then, I just hear him, like, doing, like, deep Bryson breathing and he's like, you know, he's like whoo, whoo, trying to get worked up to hit this ball. And he's, he's kind of doing like the Kyle Berkshire, like rocking back and forth and then proceeds to swing so hard at this ball. I mean, he just almost comes out of his shoes trying to hit this driver. I'm not exaggerating, listeners. I'm not trying to make this story, embellish this story at all. This is all true. This kid tries to murder this thing. And I'm, his swing wasn't pretty, but he was swinging fast. I could tell. So he hits this driver, which sounds like some sort of alien technology. It's just like a loud, uh, like an aluminum baseball bat type sound. And this thing goes forever left and then forever right. But, you know, beyond the fact that we have all these other factors going on, the the deep breathing, the Kyle Brookshire rocking back and forth before every ball, the like getting hyped up, swinging really hard, the fact of the matter is, He has a large bucket, which is 100 golf balls, and he chipped maybe five with another club and then proceeds to hit the next 95 golf balls that way while also finishing his bucket before I finished my bucket. It was a wild ride, dude. It was a wild experience. I've never experienced, I'm telling you, I've never experienced anything like it before.
1: And I'm going to tell you right now, I think I found it. And if this is what you're talking about. Oh my God,
0: dude, that's it. You found it.
1: (laughs) It's a four and a half degree driver with an ultra Jeep face. It's called the F bomb long drive head. Four and a half degrees. Where did you? 150 bucks. This is incredible.
0: Listeners. We will be be posting this on the Instagram. Vince (laughs) has done God's work and has found the driver. We will post this on the gram. I can't believe you found the driver. Amazing, I'm telling you, dude. It, this thing you, looks you like know.
1: this is like cracked out shark on top of a golf club, like <laughs> written in your Sunday paper, cartoon, cartoon style. This is amazing. I'm
0: fucking kidding I'm me? telling you, dude, and and not to like not to mention, I can't really even describe like what the dude looked like, really, because I I I don't like it was so nondescript. He was just like a skinny, like shaggy haired dude. Very super normal looking, like had on like regular you know like golf shoes, like nothing would have told you that this was coming, um, and then, yeah, like ninety five golf balls as hard as he possibly could with this with this insane driver that I can't believe you found, and I cannot <laughs> wait to post for our listeners.
1: Amazing. yeah I, I can't I believe uh, I, I, it sounds like this is a guy who was like, you know I'm getting into golf I'm getting into golf." Oh wait, there's there's a competition for who can hit the ball the furthest. Uh, yes, I'm gonna change my my mood and my my speed over <laughs> to high speed with the f bomb, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make lifestyle yeah. change here.
0: You're on this. We're on the same wavelength because I I thought the same thing. This is like a guy a guy who's like dad gave him a club and was like, yeah, like you get to go to the range and hit some golf balls. And like he went there and somebody said, Man, you got some, you hit that pretty far. And then he like immediately, you know, found out about long drive, bought the F bomb, and just was dropping 95 F bombs out there on a Thursday afternoon trying to get his speed up. So, <laughs> <Amazing>. all right. <laughs> I, insane, insane. That's but, great.
1: uh, you like what the things you see in uh, the Camden driving range, brother?
0: I'm uh, telling you, don't worry. I hope listeners like this segment because there's more coming. But, um, that's it, Tales from the Range. You know, Tales from the Range. Let's let's get the hell out of here. Wrap this thing up. I, I got stuff to do. Let's do it. All
1: right, man, that's it. All right, our friends, it's been great recapping the RBC, our picks for the Zurich, talking a little bit about the LPGA, and the $40 million fumble that might be coming uh, at some point in time this year. <laughs> but uh, we're, we'll leave you with some news. There's going to be a second episode this week. Doug's going to be hosting an interview with Connor Black, a uh, former uh, AJGA uh, number four amateur, uh, played at Texas A&M with Cameron Champ, I believe. He's um, the current pro Wildcat. And uh, so Doug's going to be interviewing with him, picking his brain, and it should be tons of great content. So stay tuned for that later in the week. Uh, if you're getting out there to play this weekend, we appreciate it. You know, shoot as low as you can on 18 or a double on the nineteen. We'll be talking to you.